millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always, and we're finally back for another edition of the podcast apologies for the delays uh simon decided to abandon me on sunday and i was left sad alone and with no one to talk to we decided to make this a uh i guess a latter week edition of the holt cast we'll kind of look ahead to the spurs game on the weekend and just really have a general villa discussion look ahead to the rest of the season we're only three games left and then we're into the fun of the summer transfer window. All of our optimism gets to the maximum amount, and we think we'll be world beaters once again. But nonetheless, I do have the uh, abandonment man himself, Mr. Simon O'Regan, here with me. So, Simon, how's it going with you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Uh, yeah, apologies for the uh, late abandonment on Sunday night, but with it being the uh, bank holiday over here for the, the coronation, as I explained to you, I've, I've got no willpower and was roped into some bank holiday drinks on Sunday night. Peer pressure, it's not a safe thing, Simon. You have to be strong. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm 35 now. I've, I've had 20 years of bowing to peer pressure for going out. So, yeah, I, oh. what can I say? If you're not going to get it, then you'll probably never get it. But you know what? If it's for something like that, fair enough. Um, I will say, of course, uh, Seb was supposed to join us as well. But as a young man does, um, he is not feeling the greatest and sent in a sick note, um, whether it's because of food or alcoholic beverages or whatever other reason. Um, that's his reason. We like to think because of a poll we'll bring up later. That's why he's not showing up and he's hiding for the remainder of the season until Villa finalize their position in the table. But well, let's get things started. Of course, Spurs on the weekend, Simon, of course, we just lost to Wolves, um, I guess several days ago now. Of course, like I said, we didn't do a post-match pod, but nonetheless, we're back for this one. And looking at Spurs fixtures kind of heading into the rest of the season, they have us, they have Brentford, they have Leeds. So one team still battling to potentially finish in Europe being Brentford and us as well. And then, of course, Leeds on the final day. And who knows with Big Sam if they'll somehow pull out two wins before that or if that'll be their, um, I guess, the uh, most important game of the season for them. But, I mean, heading into this one, how are you feeling? Um, I'd say I'm still reasonably confident. I mean, obviously, we've lost the last two games and, and haven't scored in them and probably not been at our best in either of them, I think it's fair to say. So, we know we're not going into it in the greatest run of form we could have, but but Tottenham have, have not been playing well for a while. I know they beat Palace on the weekends, but I mean they, I think mean, they were fortunate to win that game. I think Palace were more than uh, worthy of at least a, a result in that. So I, I mean, I, I think I, I think the the results with Brighton losing to Everton the other day. I think that that should sort of give us that, that little injection that, that we might need going into it because, I mean, like, we sort of 
talks on WhatsApp over, over the last few days. It, it seemed like 5pm on Saturday afternoon after we lost to Wolves. A lot of people just seem to have completely written off on European chances, which even if Brighton had beaten Everton, I still think was over the top because we're only three points behind Tottenham and nothing more than capable of catching them. But just in Brighton losing that game, it, it, it should hopefully make people think, OK, it's not all over. I mean, I know Brighton have got two games in the hands, but I believe their two games in the hands are away at Newcastle and home to Man City. So, you know, they're, they're not the easiest games in hand that they've got. And then they've also got to play Arsenal uh, away, I think. And then they've got to come away to us. So, you know, they, they've they got some really tough fixtures, as as do we, as Tottenham. So for me, it's, it's still all to play for, really. And I think if we, you know, we, we will go into this game having had like a full week off, you know, we haven't had midweek games that we've had in the last couple of weeks. We've now got pretty much a fully fit squad as well. And the the race for European football is still well and truly on. So if, if, I think if we can get Villa Park sort of rocking as it was against Newcastle the other week, there's no reason why we can't go and beat Tottenham. Because as I say, they, they are not playing well at the moment. And they, they look like... If, you can get an early lead against them and rock them, then then I think you can get results against them. Yeah, and I think against Spurs too, Villa have had a pretty decent record against them the last couple seasons. I think it's more than fair to say. And when you look at Spurs' last five results, they're, of course, they lost to Bournemouth 3-2 starting back on April 15th, lost 6-1 to Newcastle. I think everyone kind of remembers that game. uh, Drew 2 all against United. Um almost came back against uh, Liverpool to only lose five seconds later after um, leveling it all up. And then, of course, just narrowly beating Crystal Palace. And I have to say narrowly because uh, Palace did have some good opportunities in that game as well, even though they really don't have much to play for. So a side that's went through a lot of turmoil within the club, managerial-wise, coaching-wise, whatever you want, really want to call it. I mean, there's still to be got at the back. There's still a lot of question marks throughout that midfield. And, um, of course, they have Harry Kane up front. That's definitely the most uh, assured thing you could probably have within the Premier League, you would say, um, longevity-wise. But, I mean, Simon, you sit back and you look at this one and you think Spurs have more of the pressure on them than us, surely. Uh, yeah, I'd say so, yeah. I mean, I, I, I still don't think there's any real pressure on us to finish in the European spots. I know some... Some fans would probably disagree with that. But for me, even when we were uh, sort of sat fifth, sixth over the last uh, couple of weeks, it was always a slightly false position in the sense because of the games in hand that Brighton and Liverpool had. Like, obviously, we were up there, but there was it, you know, there were teams behind us that weren't too far behind us points wise and still had games to play. So you kind of still had to wait till those games sort of played out to see where we truly were in the league so for me I I don't think there's there's a pressure on Villa to finish in Europe this season at all whereas Tottenham I mean they they at the start of the season they would have been you know Champions League absolute is a bare minimum for them and they're not going to get that um, I, yeah, I think all the pressure's on Tottenham, and also, I mean, with the, the Harry Kane I think he's at, he's got one year left on his deal come the summer Um I mean, to be honest, I think he's going to go regardless if they finish inside or outside of Europe. But if they if they don't have European football, then they've absolutely got zero chance of, of keeping hold of him to next season. So yeah, for me, all, all, all the pressure is on, is on Tottenham going into that game. Yeah, I think it has to be. I mean, if you look at it from a purely recruitment standpoint too, I mean, where they finish, I mean, of course, 
there's obviously a caliber attractiveness caliber finishing in the the champions league to the europa league or the conference league of course there's three t's there and then of course not qualifying at all um even hurts them even more and like you, you referenced there so very well of course who knows what's going to go on with harry kane on their end and i mean you look at villa from a recruitment standpoint we went from okay maybe we're gonna have to um shed a lot and just kind of absolutely rebuild in some kind of way now you look at villa finishing realistically probably in the top 10 you'd have to say probably top nine eight whatever um hopefully as long as things continue to keep going our way um with other results um it's a complete parallel we're almost competitive with spurs maybe in that mindset you would say we have we have the manager they don't um so maybe that's another argument you can make as well but i mean really heading into this game and it's weird i don't know how Google gets these kind of win probabilities. I don't know if it's based off recent form or if someone on their end just kind of picks who they fancy, but they actually have a, a win probability of 43% for Villa, uh, 26% for the jaw, draw, and uh, 31% for Spurs. So uh, whoever made that decision, if it's not a computer, thank you very much. Because to be honest, I can't remember the last time I've seen that against a traditional top six side, yada, 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 whatever you want to really call them but moving on from that Simon I mean we didn't talk about Wolves we don't really have to dive into it really deeply but I mean coming out of a result like that where to be honest to me at least I I didn't feel like we played absolutely horrendous I didn't think we played amazingly well either but it just it felt like things weren't going our way. Our best opportunity came to Tyrone Mings and you'd kind of wish probably anyone else was there, <laughs> even though it was tricky um, the way it was delivered into the box, but it just didn't feel like our day. And I mean, when you go into this one and especially the rest of the season, of course, we still have to play Liverpool and Brighton. I mean, looking at kind of the last two results, maybe do you think some of the, I don't know, I've mentioned this before. Do you think, essentially we're running out of gas a little bit do you think we're being figured out a little bit because of the lack of depth I know injuries are so much of an issue now we're seeing Diego Carlos come back of course uh, Coutinho cash the bench looked actually quite fruitful in, uh, last weekend so uh, things look promising there but I mean heading into the last three where's your kind of mind at with everything um I think there's there's an element to the sort of the, the arguments of maybe running out of steam a little bit. I mean, I think, but, but for me, that that's to be expected because we pretty much played the same starting 11 for, for like the previous 10 games, really. I mean, it's, it's the only sort of changes that you were making was whether like Troy Ore was coming off the bench, whether it was Bailey coming off the bench or, you know, I've seen Ben Donker sort of came in for the last couple of games, has come in for the last couple of games as well. So I do, I do think that, that, to me, I would put it more down to that than anything could be figured out or anything like that. I mean, you know, against against Man U, for example, the other week, it, I mean, we didn't create a load of chances, but we did still create chances. And even against Wolves, not a load, and not, not necessarily great ones, but there were still, I think there was enough chances created to have got a result from that game. I mean, like, I, I agree, I don't think we were anywhere near our best, but I don't think we were anywhere near as bad as, as some people would have you believe in that game. Um, and also, you know, having having gone ten games unbeaten, it's disappointing to lose two games in a row. But but it can happen. I mean, I think I, I said it to you in, in the message that it feels I, I get really annoyed that I think there's a certain 
elements of, of fans, and I don't think it's just Villa fans, I think it's all football fans, yeah, every club has these fans in general, but it feels like they've got a sense of entitlement to win every game and play well in every game. That's Unless you're Man City, that just does not happen. You know, the teams go on can go on bad runs. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that everything's crap and, you know, this player's rubbish, this player's useless, we need to get rid of him, we need to get rid of him. Like, I, I hate the, the reactionary way that people have to defeat, you know, and when, you know, when, when we beat Newcastle 3-0, for example, we played absolutely brilliantly in that game. You know, everyone was superb. But surely no one in the right mind was coming away from that game thinking, you know, uh, Ollie Watkins is the best striker in world football. Jacob Ramsey is the best midfielder playing in the Premier League. So in the same way, when you lose the game, like I saw this is this one fan on Twitter. I can't remember the name of the hands. And to be honest, I don't want to even give it the publicity. But the last <laughs> couple of the the United game and and the Wolves game, I've seen this guy the 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 slating and the abuse that Jacob Ramsey, I don't, he must have, I don't know what his problem with Ramsey is, but he, he's the one who gets so much sick and you just kind of going, Jacob Ramsey, like, he's, he's been by and large excellent for the last couple of seasons since he's played for Villa. Like, players are allowed to have an off game. You look at Real Madrid, Man City in the Champions League last night, Haaland, you know, Bray, didn't have the greatest of games. You no, know, Rudy can dealt with him brilliantly. Does that mean off the basis of one game, Haaland's now crap? Of course it doesn't. Like it's, these, these things happen. You're going to lose games. You're not going to win every game of football. But that that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that that you have to completely flip out. And it doesn't mean the season's over as well. You know, we we um, you know in February time we lost three in a row to Leicester, Man City, Arsenal, conceded eleven goals in those three games, and then we went on the ten game unbeaten run where we conceded three goals like it's, you're able to bounce back from these things and like we sort of touched on earlier with the squads now looking well now being fully fit you know everyone's available for me I, I think there's there's still there's still a lot to play for this season oh yeah absolutely I mean like you've referenced there I mean Brighton just got absolutely gobsmacked by Everton somehow I mean it's probably the worst defensive performance you could say of the season <laughs> Um, but regardless of that, I mean, you can throw them in the hat as well of being a team that arguably they have a small squad as well. Things may not necessarily go their way for a few games and maybe they're running out of gas too. You never know. I mean, of course, Everton are fighting for their lives. They still have a lot of games to catch up and that's kind of a lot of games in a a short span of time. You look at Brentford as well. They don't have a massive squad. And I think that's kind of showing over the last probably few weeks or so as well. And I mean, even you even throw Spurs in that as well. They they don't they have a I guess a deeper squad than most. But I mean, you look at probably if you put name for name with the likes of us, Brentford and even Brighton. I think to be honest, there's quite a few for each of those sides that probably Spurs fans would rather have. Um, to be honest, I don't know who would want Richarlison. To be honest, I think he's one of the biggest knobs to ever exist. I mean, but... <laughs> like in 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 terms of like Tottenham. I think that that is a really good point. I mean, obviously, Harry Kane, everyone takes Harry Kane, you know, over than Man City, every club in in the country takes Harry Kane. Son, maybe not so much this season, but, you know, given the benefit of the doubt, maybe maybe she's had an off-season. But overall, Son is is an absolutely superb footballer. But then you look at the rest of that Tottenham team, I I don't, maybe, I'd probably have Kulisevsky in there because, again, I don't think he's had the greatest 
sort of last five, six months. But I think he's a really good player. But you look at their midfield, defence and goalkeeper, genuinely, I wouldn't swap a single one of our players for a single one of theirs in those positions. So, you know, there's... I, I think the... You look at, like, the recruitment, the money they've spent, you would say... You could argue on paper, OK, yeah, they've, they've signed, you know big name players and they spend a lot of money, but I don't think they've I don't think they've spent it particularly well. No, not at all. I mean they I mean you could throw that argue that argument all the way back to when they sold Gareth Bale, essentially, and they've been in this kind of rotation ever since. And they hit kind of a nail in the head with Son and you'd say Kulosevsky and there's been a number of ones on uh, kind of throughout that kind of time period as well, really for the last decade. Um crazy to think it's really been that long. But they're, they're another side where, like, realistically, when you, you sit back and you look at it, I would say from, you would assume that fifth is gone. But I mean, from sixth to really ninth, it's it's all to play for. And to be honest, I think that's the most exciting way to end the season. And let's be honest, who ever would have thought Villa would be in this conversation six months ago? It, w- it was an absolute mm. pipe dream. The fact that we even beat United when Unai Emery first debuted as Villa boss, I, I thought, you know what, maybe it's just a little bit of good vibes and we'll kind of calm down from there. But I mean, everything is kind of flowing in the right way. There's things going on behind the scenes, of course, where uh, being linked and looks like we'll sign, uh, I think it's Barca's director of football, sporting director, whatever you want to call it. How do you pronounce his name? I'll let you do it, Simon, because I butchered it. <laughs> I believe it's uh, Matteo Alaman. I believe that's how you pronounce it. There we go. No one wants to hear a Canadian try to pronounce that. So uh, thank you for saving me, of course. And there was also links as well, just briefly to note that uh, Villa were looking at hiring uh, NBA um, president, Philadelphia 76ers president, I should say more so. (laughs) Um, Chris, heck, he's not the NBA president. I shouldn't say that, (laughs) but everyone knows what I mean there. And Greg Evans was reporting that one in particular. Um, so that's more to help with the uh, senior management structure, helping with branding and kind of making Villa again, more of a, a global football club. So you even look at from the aspect of recruitment um, from the sporting director side. Um, and then you, you, of course you look at even on the sales and the kind of relations side as well. I mean, we're improving massively. We're investing in all the right areas and, um, it, it's funny when you sit back and you think of it since Villa have been back in the Premier League. I mean, I felt like the first season back, we were just happy to stay up. The second season, we wanted that progress. And of course, we took it. And then last season was just an absolute kind of up and down whirlwind, you'd have to say. But I mean, Simon, really, when you look at the last few years since we've been back, I mean, the progress, considering where we are now, it's actually been pretty quick, you'd have to say. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I mean, I think, I think that that this second season of the COVID season, obviously, it, it kind of it fell away in the second half of the season when because obviously Greenish got the injury and you know we we did tie it off. But uh, I, I, I think with, with that one, that I think some people see, like obviously it's great progress from the year before, but I think some people see that as a missed opportunity. But I. I kind of looked at it that that first half of the season, season we were massively overachieving because we had a, a player as a special Grealish in that team. Like we've got to be really honest about that. And I, I think the the only kind of misstep really since we come back up was was last season with you know with the Gerald appointment. It just it just didn't work out. As I think is 
Pliny, obviously, everyone's as we've discussed a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, we do. You know, we don't need to like massively rake over that old ground again. But, but I, I agree. I think it's it, it has been really good progress uh, on and off the pitch. I mean, you know, the those um, uh, sort of appointments of sport director, new sort of commercial guy coming in. That that's. That that's you know stuff that you have to do now if you want if you especially you want to be challenging at that sort of top end of the league for European football, you need to to have it right sort of that boardroom level and stuff like that and, and the fact that they're the the fact they're even like feeling ambitious enough to go for Barcelona's you know director of football and you know by all accounts that's going to happen and it shows massive progress and. In terms of like on the pitch stuff as well, even like so, I was on the, the other podcast I do the, the other day when I was chatting. There's a Newcastle fan on that that I do it with, and like we were sort of talking, and I was saying that even say if we ended up finishing eighth this season, I don't, I don't think that that's that's a bad thing at all. I still think it's a great year, and for me, like and I was, I mentioned I was doing this with a Newcastle fan because I think they're almost like a sort of benchmark for, for what could happen. You look at last season with them, Eddie Howell came in, sort of similar time of the season to whenever he came in for us this year. And they obviously, they had a massive improvement in the second half of last season. And then they had a summer of a full pre-season and clever recruitment. And, and look what they're doing this year. Now, I'm not saying that Villa are now next season going to go and finish third or finish in the top four. But for me, and, and this, uh, this other lad agreed, I think Emery has taken over and inherited a much better squad of footballers than Eddie Howe did at Newcastle. And look what's happened there with good coaching and good recruitment. And for me, I think this summer is is going to be absolutely massive. It'll be really interesting to see what transfer business has done. Because this, what we've achieved so far is with a group of players that are not Emery's players. And look how he's got them playing. Look at how he's got them so quickly to buy into the system. So once you add in players that he he wants and knows for a fact are able to just completely come and fit into that style of play and that system and bulk out that squad. You, you know, you mentioned how the bench looks so much healthier uh, against Wolves. You'd imagine that, that that is going to look even even stronger next season. So for me, I, I think I mean I still think as we sort of mentioned earlier, there's still so much play for this year, and, and I I do still believe that we will finish in the top seven. But even if we don't, I, I don't, I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. If you finish eighth, I still think you've got to take that as a massive win. Oh, 100%. And I think there's realistically, there's even kind of, I mean, it, it's not small in any measure because, I mean, the, the business of any professional sporting team is to win games and be successful. But even from my point standpoint, Simon, I mean, you look at the behind closed door season, we had 16 wins, seven draws. Uh, 15 losses, a plus nine goal differential, 55 points. We're one point off that and we still have three games to go. The fact that we basically, that I can even think of the last probably decade, that was probably maybe one of the only seasons where we actually had more wins than losses. The fact if we can even better that this season, I guess there's almost proof in the pudding that you would arguably say that maybe three of the four seasons or so that we've been back in the Premier League I would say the first season is a success because we stayed up and that was the remit. The second season, no one expected. Last season was a bust. We all have to admit that. And then whatever happens this season is a success as well. So you have to kind of sit back and look at it from that standpoint too. But 
to really even kind of think that finishing eighth, seventh, sixth, whatever it may be, I, I mean, the opportunity to even kind of be in that mix at this point is a privilege. And I mean, aside from relegation battles and woes and worrying and being absolutely annoyed at the state of what's going on on the pitch and things off the pitch um, for years and years and years, it felt like, I mean, when's the last time you can sit and actually be excited for the last three games of the season? I feel like almost we go into the last few games and like I said, we're either stressed or we just don't care, do we? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's 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 been a, lo- a long, long, long time since we've gotten to the last three games of a, a Premier League season where there's there's still like sort of exciting things to play for, and you know, for for me, obviously as well, I, I, I'm not sure if it's mathematically guaranteed, but I think it's virtually impossible for us not to finish in at least the top ten this season. Which the last time we did that was 2011, so that in itself is, is massive progress, but. Yeah, I mean, like you say, we've got three games left. Three tough games, but three three winnable games. I mean, I, I don't think we will win all three because, I, I mean, I think Liverpool on such a good run of form. Like, I think we'll do very well to get anything at Anfield um, when we go there. But just, like you said, the fact we're even having this conversation, to, to me, it just shows the massive achievement that, that, that we've undertaken this season. I mean... <sighs> Where after we lost to to Arsenal, so I think that was that third defeat in a row. Where I, I think we were probably maybe still eleventh at that stage because we seem to have sat in eleventh for, for quite a long time uh, at points this season. There's I don't think many people thought that that we'd finish in the top ten, let alone be still fighting for the top six spot. So for me, yeah, I. I, I, I don't see how any Villa fan can really be anything other than excited at the moment for, for these last few games. And like you say, it's been so long since we've been in this position. You just got to enjoy it and got to embrace it and, and you know, sort of feel like hopefully this will be the start of a regular feeling come this time of the season. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, I mean, we do really have to hope and pray. And I mean, it, it, it's not mathematically possible yet that we can finish um, in the top 10. Of course, Chelsea have one game in hand. They have four games left, but... Let's be honest. I'll be bold. I'm just going to say they're not doing it. They play Forest, Forrester in a relegation battle and desperate. Then they play City. Then they play United and Newcastle. So I, unless they just turn into world they're not, they're not winning all four of them. <laughs> no. So realistically, they lose one more. Um, mathematically, right now, if I look at the table, um, I think what they're sitting in 11th, if I do believe so, if I'm really struggling to get the table, so they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're 12 points behind us. So they'd have to win all four. We'd have to lose all three for them to finish yeah. above us. And they would have that's, to turn around. That's not minus, going to happen. Yeah. They have to turn around and minus five goal differential as well. And we're on plus three. So, I mean, of course, if you win four games in a row, you'd think that that would be close, but again, that's, Still five goals to swing plus another three, and that would be kind of depending on us conceding quite a few goals as well in the next three, which, to be honest, I can't see us doing because we just do not do that under Unai Emery, and hopefully those words don't come back to bite me <laughs> in the next three games. But regardless of that, I think we're basically locked in. Um, in the top ten, you look at Fulham, they have three games left. The most uh, points they can finish on, I, I believe, are, what, 51, 54, 57 points? I do believe so. Um, really, all we would need is another three points to best that. So, I mean, Brighton, or not Brighton, sorry, Brentford still could catch us. They're on the same amount of games on 35. They're four points behind. But to be honest, the way that we're playing, the way that they're kind of up and down as well, I I, I can't see us really finishing outside of the top eight. Yeah, I mean, so just looking at Brentford, so they've got West Ham at home, Tottenham away, and Man City home last day of the season. So, I mean, I, I did, they're not going to win all three of them games. I, I, wouldn't, I mean, I, I don't know how many of those games they'll win, but I think the fact that they've got Tottenham is an interesting one. And it kind of makes, you know, if, if we can go and beat Tottenham uh, on the weekends, then then that's a game where you, you kind of, uh, maybe a draw <laughs> you'd be looking for, especially if Brentford beat West Ham this weekend. But, you know, we've got a four-point gap on Brentford. I I, I think if, if, if we, for us to finish behind them and drop down into ninth, I think they would probably have to pick up a minimum of seven points in their remaining three games, which I just I don't see them doing that. So, I mean, you can never obviously guarantee anything, but I, I, I mean, I don't see us losing all of our three remaining games either. So I, I do personally think that eighth will be the minimum that, that we finish. Um, and as I, said, I know that a few weeks ago when we were sort of doing predictions, we, me and Tom kind of said we finished sixth. Yeah, it's still fifth, possible. It's okay. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I mean, to be fair, sixth is still, but you know, as I say, if we beat Tottenham on the weekend, we go level on points to them, and Brighton have got some really tough games remaining, so it, it is a possibility. As I, I, I do think we will still finish in the top seven, but even if we don't and we finish eighth, I still think that's a really good season. Yeah, and I mean, like to kind of mention Brentford again. I mean, West Ham, realistically, if they win one more game, they are hundred percent safe. Um, yeah. They're on 37 points, and of course, 40 would be too much for uh, the bottom three to catch them uh, with Leicester and Leeds United on uh, 30 apiece. So there's still a little bit of pressure there. It's just it's interesting because there's so much to play for for those teams around us, which is nice. They don't 
really get the luxury of just kind of coasting to the end, depending on what their ambitions are, yes. of course. Who knows? Maybe some of those players have already packed it in. They're picking out uh, vacation destinations <laughs> and are ready for a nice little break. But uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. But Simon, to get back to the Spurs game, of course, this is going to be the kind of little preview of it we've had before but we'll throw in a score prediction why not because it is fun and you know what we're usually (laughs) wrong so why not be wrong again (laughs) score prediction for the weekend are you feeling confident yeah i'm I'm gonna go 2-1 2-1 villa i I think be i'll be very really really interested to see what the starting lineup is because i'll be i'll be amazed if he went with the same 11 that he started against wolves um so be be interested to see if uh, for me i i I, I can see Cass and Kamara definitely coming back into that starting lineup. But it'd be I'd be interested to see how how he rejigs things around. Like for, I suspect he'd probably go with sort of the regular back four and Cash coming in at the right back. Probably take Traore out for Kamara and move McGinn back over there. But I've also got I, I don't know why, and it's probably based on nothing other than just some random feeling that I've got. But I've got a feeling that Coutinho's going to play a, a a big part between now and the end of the season. I, I have no idea where that feeling has come from. Dangerous so, words. <laughs> I know it might just be like pure romanticism in me, just wanting them to have that that final little flourish uh, for the season. But because I, 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 I think with him as well, he obviously he, I think he in the Man City game he came on for twenty minutes and like looked really good, and then he started the Arsenal game after that and played really well. But I thought really really well in that Arsenal game. Scored a lovely goal, and then unfortunately got that injury. So, yeah, it'd be be interesting to see. What, but in terms of a, a score prediction, I'm I'm gonna go two one better. Fair enough. Um, I'm gonna eat my words right now because when I said earlier on that we've had a pretty decent record against Spurs as of late, I'm just looking at it all time. Yeah. Um, the last one, of course, we won two uh, 0 earlier in the season away. Uh, the last time we beat them actually was, I mean, it's not that long ago. Of course, it was May 19, 2021, uh, 2-1 win away. <laughs> There's a string of uh, losses I, in there. Yeah, yeah I, it, think, I think our home record has been really poor against them. Yeah, the last time we've beaten them in the Premier League at home was January 1st, 2008, uh, 2-1 win. Uh, before that would have been, let's see here. Uh, I, I'm sure Simon remembers this day like, like it was yesterday. Uh, let's see here. One nil win, uh, November 22nd, 2004. And we actually beat them May 2nd, 2004, uh, the season prior as well. So I'm sure those were your favorite, uh, days of being <laughs> a Villa fan in particular. I'm sure Simon. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, that, um, I think that last home win, that New Year's Eve one, I do remember that was, uh, Olaf Melberg and Martin Larson scored the winning goals in that. I remember it was, it was a late kickoff on New Year's Day and I, I was still extremely hungover from the night before. So I, I do remember that. But yeah, no, our home record has, has been poor against them. I think, was it, I think last season, I think we lost like 4-0 at home to them. But it was like, I don't know if you remember the game, we absolutely battered them. I think Sun might have yeah. scored a hat-trick maybe in that game. And like, we hammered them. They had like five shots and scored all four on Hugo Lloris had the best game I've ever seen him have. Like, it was a very frustrating one. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. Well, that's probably the uh, last great performance he'll have against us because it seems like uh, Forrester's <laughs> the way forward for them, which I guess arguably could be advantage for us. I'm amazed that you remembered goal scorers uh, from 2008 because um, you are <laughs> right. Do you know who scored for Spurs? Do you want to throw a guess at it? Ooh, 
Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> That's oh, you're ridiculous. <laughs> you don't have a life. <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, I will not go on a head-to-head. A trivial pursuit uh, villa related uh, session with you because that's absolutely <laughs> terrifying I, I don't even know what to say i'm actually quite frazzled about that but um from being frazzled to um i guess sharing some results here of course a few hours ago we're recording this of course on the wednesday we'll put this out on the thursday so hopefully everyone enjoys uh, what they've been listening to so far we asked for a number of uh, you guys to get involved or basically anyone who sees it um, to get involved in some Twitter polls. So there are some very um, serious questions and some not so serious ones, but thank you to everyone that got involved. There was actually a good uh, turnout with late notice. So let's go through those. And uh, me and Simon here will we'll throw in our answers as well to have some fun um, too. Seb won't be able to, um, I guess, have his input in this. And the last question relates to him. So too bad to him if he's listening. Um, so I basically asked where will where will Aston Villa finish uh, come the end of this season? So the options were sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. Um, five point one percent said sixth. Thirty seven point five percent said seventh. Fifty two point seven percent, which was the winner, of course, said eighth, and four point seven percent said ninth. Simon, where are you sitting with that one? I know you already kind of said, but you can say it again if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I voted on all of these, and I went for seven to this. Yeah, I, I do believe we will finish in that top seven, but I, I thought sixth. I, I couldn't be completely confident to vote six, so I went seven. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with you as well. I'm going to change my answer from fifth and be a coward because let's be realistic. I was on a high. I was being unrealistic. Um, and I don't regret my choices <laughs> regardless of that. Uh, the next poll I asked, um, if Villa failed to secure European football for next season, do you still consider this season a success? So the options were yes, absolutely, somewhat, and just a straight no. Um, I think it's pretty obvious where everyone went. 83.3% said yes, absolutely. 144 said somewhat, and a lonely 2.3% who probably should not be named and will probably will not <laughs> want to be named. I can't see it anyway, so I can't shout them out, said no. Um, Simon, where do you sit with a very obvious one on that? I mean, absolutely, yes, absolutely, it's a success. Yeah, uh, I as I think we've we've sort of alluded, uh, you know, a couple of times that had uh, had he should should not be named, remained in charge, we'd probably already be down with Southampton by now. So, I, I, the fact that we're more than likely going to finish in the top ten, more than likely top eight, with a real good chance of Europe still. Yeah, if, if we finish top eight, it's absolutely success. Absolutely. Uh, the next one, um, basically just kind of posed that as should Unai Emery be a candidate for the Premier League manager of the year season, whatever you want to call it. Um, obviously, there's only two options with this one. Yes and no. And an astounding, uh, well, not astounding, but a strong, I should say, 88.9% said yes and 111 said no and then just remember it's just to be a candidate it's not to win it so maybe some people took that differently but where do you sit with that one simon i mean yeah and it's exactly for that point you just made there i'm not necessarily saying that that he should win it uh, i think i think if we were to finish sixth for example then i think you for me i would probably have him as the manager of the year because i think that would have been an unbelievable achievement but absolutely he's, he's got to be got to be in the conversation for it Oh, 100%. I mean, if he is like, I, I can see maybe if there's the argument that he wasn't there for the whole season, but 
I mean, considering the job that he's done since he came in, um, I mean, I, I mean, there yeah. really wasn't that much really prior to that. I mean, I can't remember how many games there was prior to him coming in, but it was still relatively early. You'd have to I say. Think, I think we played 11 games, I think, when we sat Gerard, And then obviously yeah. we had the two under Aaron Dank. So what's still a majority. Games. Yeah. Yeah. And to, yeah. Like, the, the thing is, like, when, when you're looking at candidates for manager of the season, you kind of, Obviously, you know, say like Man City going with the treble, then 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 you, that's a very strong case for Guardiola. But you've got to look at like the the context of each club and each manager. Like for, for me, I I think Gary O'Neill at Bournemouth has to be a candidate for manager of the oh, season absolutely. because you know the, how how Bournemouth have stayed. I mean, I know mathematically they haven't, but they're let's be honest, Bournemouth are not going to go down this season. To have to, for him to have come in with no managerial experience and, and kept that squad up and relatively comfortably have kept them up in, in the end, you know, that doesn't mean Gary O'Neill's as good a manager as Guardiola or as, as Emery or Deserby at Brighton. But these, I think the manager of the year, I think people can get blinded by just your final league position and what you've won. I think you need to look at the context of the club, the state the club was in when that manager came in during that season and what they've done in that season. Well, yeah, and I don't know how many actually get picked, but I mean, if you're going to say six, it's going to be Guardiola, Arteta, How um, you'd probably say Deserbi. I think that's yeah. four that I picked there. I would put, of course, maybe it's biased. If what is biased? I'd say Unai Emery. And then, I, yeah, you do have to put O'Neill in there, I would say, is the next best thing, given that squad and the early turmoil they had. I mean, it's been one hell of a turnaround. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, and then you know you can look to like Marco Silva at Fulham. The fact that they're absolutely yeah, in the, in the top half of the table as newly promoted. So yeah, it's, like, the manager of the disease thing is it's an interesting. It's always interesting how some people judge that criteria. But I mean, getting back to like to the point of the poll of the poll, absolutely, everyone's got to be considered. I think there should be two. There should be one that's probably just going to be given to Pep when they win the Premier League. Um, so it should just be the manager of the year aside from Pep Guardiola. And then you could kind yeah. of, <laughs> it'd probably still go to Arteta or something like that anyways, but <laughs> regardless, we, we, we can dare to dream and uh, hope for the best. Um, let's go to the next one here. There's only, I think two more polls left. Um, more of a humorous one and a little bit of seriousness too. Some people thought this meant that whoever they picked was better than Unai Emery. I don't know why that was a discussion within a few of the comments. It was just, <laughs> Basically, he's the best manager since whoever within the selection. And you could come up with your own. I mean, you could go back even further. I didn't want to put like Ron Sanders and Saunders in there. Or, um, I mean, you could, the list can go on and on with managers that have actually won cups and other things because I just don't feel like they quantify at this point with Unai Emery. Um, but you never know. They could very quickly, given his track record in competitions. Um, so, of course, like I said, Unai Emery is the best villa manager since. Uh, basically, I gave Martin O'Neill, Graham Taylor, Brian Little, and sliced bread. Um, of course, forty-six point nine percent said Martin O'Neill, and that just got an argument going about people actually <laughs> think he's better than Unai Emery. I don't know why. We won't discuss that. But anyways, uh, seven point four percent said Graham Taylor, twelve point nine said Brian Little, and uh, a, a nice thirty-two point eight said sliced bread. I mean, everyone does. Um, have bread in their life. It's been around for absolute eons and it's an undervalued uh, food item, I would say. So, uh, <laughs> Simon, where do you sit with that one? <laughs> uh, so, I, I went Brian Little on this one. Um, 
mainly for the reason that he was the last manager that we won a trophy with. And I I do believe that we will win a trophy under Emery within the next couple of years. And we also finished, I, I think, in 1996 under Little, we won the League Cup and we finished fourth that season. And we haven't done any better since then. I mean, Martin O'Neill, we had a sort of a good run of three, six places in a row. But I, I mean, I... I have very sort of mixed feelings regarding Martin O'Neill. I'm I'm still still not happy with the way that they left the club. And I also think for the money we spent at that time compared to others, I actually think he underachieved. Um, I, I think we should have done better than we did on him. So for me, Brian Little was it's certainly in my lifetime the best manager that I had seen at Villa. And, and so for me, Emery's probably the best since him. And if we, if we are to win something, then I think that would push him up to the number one in my lifetime. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think the thing here, like, I wouldn't pick Martin O'Neill because, albeit, I mean, it, you can maybe make this discussion a year from now when Villa have actually spent more money under Unai Emery and there's been that investment. But with O'Neill, there was significant investment. And uh, argumentally, you could say, albeit we were challenging uh, for the top six, seven, whatever you may want to kind of decide it actively. And we didn't really get the top four, of course, at the time. I just feel like you can't really make that comparison. I, I know with some of these, they've won cups and stuff, but I would have to agree with you in terms of a feel-good factor, just kind of the atmosphere. And of course, it was before my time, but when you look back at history and see videos and stuff, I feel like the best comparison to where we are now, I would have to say Brian Little, albeit Unai Emery isn't a former Villa player, so there isn't that link. Um, I would say a close second is sliced bread. Um, in yeah. all seriousness, because Unai Emery is absolutely mint, and I love that man and his um, hair. I still am fascinated by the fact that these Spanish managers have these luscious locks, and the locks yeah. don't move whatsoever. I don't know what they put in their hair. I think that should be like a a, a thirty by thirty or whatever, thirty in thirty minutes or whatever it's called the the documentary series or six, in sixty minutes, whatever it needs to be uh, found out and discussed. I, mean, I don't. Yeah, it's it's a it's a head of hair. I, I can only dream of these days, unfortunately. Well, you have absolutely nothing. Mine's receding, <laughs> like it's it's day job. Tom is in denial about his. Sorry, Tom, and I'm sure Seb will be the one that has all the locks. Or um, I don't know what Seb's dad looks like, so maybe we should find out and we can make fun of what's to come for that <laughs> young man. But um, I guess we'll go to the final one here, and it's humorous. And maybe some people don't get the context, but 116 people voted. I'll, I'll say 113 because I would assume myself, Seb, and of course you, Simon. I know you definitely voted on this. And I know yeah. Seb probably voted the other way. Um, basically, I just said, if Villa gets sixth, I should have probably put eighth because it definitely maybe would happen. Should Simon be allowed to stuff Seb into a bin outside of Villa Park? I don't know where the nearest bin is. I don't know if he'd fit in it. But nonetheless, a bin is a bin and that's all you would need. Um, would you be allowed to do that? 80 or should you be able should you be able, sorry, to uh, do that? My English is fantastic at this point in the later stages of this podcast. 87.1% uh, said yes, 12.9, which Seb is part of that 12.9, no doubt. If he was part of the other one, I'd be a little concerned, said <laughs> no. But Simon, I, I, sh I shouldn't speak on your behalf because it's rude. Uh, what did you vote for this one? Take a wild guess. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> I should be able to. Absolutely. I should have had one for for you that just said yes, only Simon answer this or something like that. <laughs> so I know, but uh, yeah, I voted yes as well. 
Um, if anyone wants to make a meme of Seb getting stuffed into a bin by Simon, I'm sure we can find pictures of both of them that would match a scenario. Just let me know. I will find them and I will send them to you. Of course, keep those gifts or uh, those photos appropriate too. And uh, cause I know some people are just absolutely twisted with their humor and I would not like to be canceled, but nonetheless, thank you to everyone um, that got involved. A lot of the polls got over 250 uh, votes some got around 180 um, or a little bit less for the last one because I figured it was a little bit humorous and maybe some people don't get the gist of it. We've been talking about uh, Simon stuffing Seb in a bin for what, Simon? Probably almost two seasons now? Quite a while, yeah. I think it, it just needs to happen. just needs to get out and don't move. I, I, would, I would like for you to just have... I, I don't know how accessible bins are um, in... <laughs> in your area but just go buy a cheap bin get a, a drumstick or something and if you ever see seb just kind of be like hitting it like you're coming for him and all <laughs> it says on it is like seb's like i don't know his his birth year and kind of obviously a dash with to be determined or something like that but uh we're only joking of course seb's alive and well um we hope um <laughs> given his non-involvement uh with this one um he's a good guy and um yeah, we don't actually want to show him abuse. So this is all in jest. So don't take this seriously, people. Um, he made fun of Simon's hair and age. I have too, but I'm too far away. So I can't get <laughs> physically abused as well. So I'm all safe there. But uh, anyways, guys, I think this is a good uh, place to end this with a little bit of humor. But thank you very much to Simon for joining me. Of course, you can find him on Twitter at Cyoregan. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 Holt. Email the podcast Holtcast at gmail.com. And of course, check out the website www.7500holt.com. We should be back hopefully on Sunday with a podcast out bright and early on Monday to reflect on hopefully another Villa win, this time at home against Spurs. Let's uh, have Unai Emery kind of get another hoodoo um, out of the Villa closet and um, let's start some positive momentum. Let's go three undefeated. Let's be world beaters. Let's finish in the top six and let's live the Unai Emery European Dream Express. Get that train going. I don't know what I'm saying. I'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for listening. And don't forget, up the villa. Up the villa.